Amen. How many of you guys are going to watch the Super Bowl today? What time does it start? I'll try to be done by then. Okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. We're just excited about what God's doing. Amen. Aren't you excited? You're living the good life. Living the good life. Said you're living the good life. John 10, 10. Jesus said, the, the thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have and enjoy life in abundance to the top till it overflows. Right? You got an enemy that's trying to rip you off, that's trying to, to get you off track and, uh, and get you to, uh, to separate yourself from the life that God's called you to. But you don't have to live separated from that life. Jesus came so that you could have and enjoy life in abundance to the top till it overflows. God life. God life, not, not, not just any kind of life. It's, it, it's, you know, I think sometimes what we do is, is we pray that prayer and, uh, you know, we receive Jesus into our heart and we, we might write our name on a card and we start going to church and we, 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 we're under the impression that that's it. But there's so much more. That's the beginning, but that is not the end. See, that, that's where you, you connect to God. You were separated from God. Right? The Bible says that there was a time when we were strangers, estranged from God. But God hath reconciled us to himself through his son, Jesus. So, you, you know, you pray that prayer. You start that journey, and all of a sudden, everything that used to separate you from God is now erased. Thank you for the blood. Come on. The blood of Jesus. It doesn't, it doesn't just hide my sin. It doesn't cover my sin. It washes it away. And here I stand in the sight of God, holy, righteous, and blameless in his sight. Think about that for just a minute. You're off the hook. Enemy tries to blackmail you with all kinds of stuff, you know, choices you made in the past and, and decisions and activities you participated freely in. And he tells you, you know, man, you are a real loser and you have to agree. But the blood of Jesus... Removed all of that. Everything that separated you from God is gone. And now you're connected to the giver of life, the creator of life. You're connected to the one who spoke and everything started happening. Not only are you connected to him, but he moves in. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now is quickening your mortal body. And he's trying to get a people who will rise up and go deeper than just being connected. Right? It's one thing. Okay, well, I'm just going to hang on till Jesus comes. Well, then you have hell on earth. You can hang on, but you're just a big fat target. An enemy just messing with you and beating you and whipping you and, and taking advantage of you. You don't, have to, you don't have to stay there. See, you, you, you have the right now to begin to operate in the same authority that Jesus operated in. But, you know, to, 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 to move in that power, to live in that power, to demonstrate that power, you can't just be connected to it. You've you got to shift. You've got you to move from being connected to it to being committed to it. There's a commitment that it takes. And we've been talking about that for the past several weeks, you know, different commitments that we have to make. We, we're making a commitment to church life. We're making a commitment to giving. We're making a commitment to prayer. We're making a commitment to the word. And, and you know, we're making commitment to victory and commitment. to be, Well, why? Because if you don't make a commitment to it, 
you're never going to have it. Matthew says, uh, from the days of John the Baptist, even until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. In other words, things of the kingdom, uh, they're placed within your reach, not within your grasp. So you got to get up and you got to go after it. You got to go do it. You can be standing in the buffet line at, at Granny's and starve to death. Right? You, you know, if you're starving to death, they can take you to Granny's, but it's not until you eat that that food's going to help you. You can stand there and look at it and say, well, I, I believe, I believe that food will sustain me. And you're right, but it ain't doing you any good. Not that Granny's food would do you a lot of good, but I mean, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> you 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 got to get past that. You know, I remember back in the day, uh, uh, we were in Salem, Oregon at the Ram Border Cafe, which is kind of like a Red Robin on steroids. And we're sitting in, there, sitting in there, and we got our double beef patties, and it's covered with thick pepper bacon and pepper jack cheese. And, and we're sitting all around us. There are hundreds of TV screens, big ones back then. And, and, and there was an exercise show on. It's what we called going to the gym. We'd sit there and watch them exercise while we ate, you know, beer batter fries and, and, and believe that what they were doing is right and we believe in everything that they're saying and we believe, we believe to the point that we actually got connected to the gym. We bought a membership. But until you get committed, it doesn't do any good. Right? I mean, we know that you got to get committed to physical exercise if it's going to produce anything in your life. You don't just swing by the gym and sit down and watch people work out and order a smoothie. <laughs> Unless you're Glenn. And, and uh, the only reason I know that is because I go to the gym with him. You, you got you to do a little more than that. And so, some of us, you know, we, we have this mindset that I'm going to go to church and I'm going to sit there and I'm going to take my latte and I'm going to gather information. But see, information doesn't really do you any good until transformation begins to take place the bible says don't be conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of god in, uh, in other words if you would if you would go after god's will he'd prove to you that it's good god's will for your life is good i said god's will for your life is good it's acceptable his will is the only thing you should be willing to accept. I will accept nothing else than the will of God in my life. His will is perfect. That means lacking nothing. You're not going to come up short if you go after God's will. The enemy lies to us. You know, think about it. When, when you were young and, and, you know, a lot of, the, lot, lot of the, the kids in school still today, you know, you're bombarded with this mindset. And, and you're, you're thinking that if I, if I live for God, I'm going to lose out. I'm going to miss out on some fun. That's a life in the pit of hell. I can't believe, you know, you know really, it, when, looking back in life, you know, and regrets. And we don't want to have any regrets. But I, I got to tell you something. There, there's some things I wish I had done a little different. I wish I had gotten serious about God a little bit earlier. You know, raised in church and church all my life, but still, you know, not really serving God at all. Man, I wish I wish I had gotten a little more serious, a little more quick. I, can, I just think about you know you know how many of you guys and you don't have to respond, just sit there very pan faced like normal. And, and uh, <laughs> 
Sometimes I think I'm, I, I think I'm a lot funnier than you do, but that's okay. Uh, but uh, uh, I, no, I can't remember what I was saying. What was I talking about? Todd, he, he's sitting there pan face. He don't know. What was, what was I talking about? What was I saying? Raising church. And, and, well, you, it's like raising kids. Think about it. You know, raising kids. Ours are, are they're reaching that age, you know, 16, 18, 21. I know some stuff now. Had I known when they were 21 months, mm, they, they'd be totally different. Too late. You know, don't wait. Don't wait. Get committed. Go after God. You, get, you can't just sit in the room and take notes. I mean, that, that, that's part of it. Then you got to go and you got to get committed to that. Mark 4, 24 in the Amplified, it says, the level of thought and study you give to the truth you hear determines the level of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. And more shall be given to those who, to, who have it. You know, th- virtue and knowledge, what is that? That's power. The ability to produce results is determined by the level of thought and study you give to the truth you hear. I mean, think about that for just a minute. God's word, God's word is powerful. But until you're committed to applying it to your life, it still doesn't do anything. But as you give thought and study to the truth you hear, you begin to increase the ability to produce results in your life. That doesn't happen because you're connected. That happens because you're committed, right? And and the enemy, see, if he can't get you to stay completely separated from God, the last thing he wants is for you to get committed to God. So all of a sudden, you, you, you start making commitments. And doesn't it seem like, you know, some of you guys that you, you filled out commitment cards and we hung them on the wall and, and, and you know, and still, you know, Shelby and I and the leadership team, we're praying, we're praying over those every day and we're praying for, for you. And I should point out, though, because we're praying for you doesn't mean that you don't need to pray. When we said we were praying for you, we meant we were praying for you, not for you. Just fill that out. But you, you, you write the commitment card and you put it on the wall and then doesn't it seem like, for some of you, doesn't it seem like all hell breaks loose now? You know, stuff that, where, where the enemy was just leaving me alone completely. Now, now I'm having to fight to do what, you know, I, I did it sometimes without effort. Now you've got to struggle to get through. Why? Because there's opposition. There's opposition. And, you know, it, it, don't, don't think that this weight that you're having to deal with is going to harm you. It, weight doesn't harm you. You know, the same weight that can throw your back out can also be used to make your back stronger. It's not the weight. It's how you handle the weight. So if you do it right, if you do it right, you're going to get stronger. And 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 you're going to one day realize without even, you know, setting yourself up, you're just going to realize one day, wow, that, that thing that used to knock me down, I just stepped over it and didn't even notice it was there because my eyes had been elevated and I was looking at something different. And all of a sudden, you begin to go places you've never been before, touching things you've never been able to get your hands on before, dealing with life at a level you've never lived it before. It's because you're committed. And see, the next step, we believe, we believe the next step is, is, is that all of a sudden, see, you, you connect, you commit, and then you complete. And God's intention, God's intention, you remember in Ephesians 4, where it says that he gave some, some pastors and teachers and evangelists and prophets, you know, and, and he gave those for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, so that they could become complete and mature 
doing, you know, doing God's will. God has a plan. God has a purpose for the body. See, the enemy doesn't want you to connect to the body. He wants you to be out there on your own. And the last thing he wants you to do is, is commit to the body. Because if you commit to the body, you, your, your, your threat to the powers of darkness is just multiplied by the, by, by the power of that which you've just committed to. The Bible says if one can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000. All of a sudden, there's insane power when you've made this connection and this commitment. It, it, it would be one thing, you know, for four or five of us to get together and say, well, you know, man, what, what does God want us to do? Let's pray. And we feel led of God to, to, to here's what we should do. We, we should take uh, our money. Let's, let's buy a, a million meals to feed hungry Haitians. God wants us to care about people outside of our border. So let's feed uh, a million hungry Haitians. And, and, and the four of us, let's just really pray for Todd so he can come up with the cash take a long time but it it took us one day because of the body think about it we take one day and all of us agree together and we're going to take one day salary and we're going to take it out of one day out of the year and we're going to we're going to give that to god and we're going to use it to feed hungry haitians we 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 purchased over a million meals in one day I think you ought to give yourself a hand. I think you ought to thank God for using you. You know, God's word says that when you, when you give to the poor, he will repay you. All of a sudden, your, your power level is multiplied. And, and now something begins to happen, and, and you begin to become complete. Philippians 4.13, I have strength for all things. I'm ready for and equal to anything that comes my way through Christ who's infusing me with an inner strength. Where, where's that strength? That strength is located right here in the room. You realize that there are some things that you can't handle on your own, but there are some people in this room who are more than qualified to lock shields with you and walk with you and, and be a strength to you. It's all... It's all through the body. God has a plan. Well, I'm part of the body of Tri-Cities, and I'm not really, you know... Could, there's a word for that. Idiot. Proverbs 18.1. He who willfully isolates himself from God or man seeks his own desire and is void of sound judgment. You, you can't cut yourself off. God, ha, God instituted, you know, two things, marriage and the church. He's got a purpose. So all of a sudden, you know, we're not just connected, we're committed, and once we get committed... Now we begin to be completed. And we're not coming. See, there's a shift that has to take place because we're not coming to get what I need to be complete. We realize, no, I'm coming to bring what you need to be complete, what each other needs. You're here today. Listen to me. You're here today, and, and I, I'm believing, God, that you're going to go home different. You're going to go home changed. You're going to go home because that's God's promise to you. But you got to realize that you come and you bring to the body. See, it, you got to realize it matters that you're here. And it matters. You matter to God. You, you make a difference. There's some strength and some power in you. And, and you, you know, when you make the commitment to the house, you got you to release your life. I give myself away. Come on. 
Can't just stand there and sing it. Now you've got to start living it. Can't sit there and watch them work out on the TV. Now, now you've got to kind of slip down off the bar stool and start participating. Why? Because you're needed in the body. The Bible says that God adds to the church as he will. So if you're here because God brought you here, he had a purpose when he brought you here, and it wasn't so you could finally find somebody you could get along with. Amen. Oh, he's got a plan. He's got a plan. Every joint supplying. In other words, there's no supply until there's a joint. You're making a connection and then a commitment, and then all of a sudden you become complete. Nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking. Everything you need, perfect, everything you, everything you need. So no matter what happens in life, there, you, you, you got a supply. God's always moving and operating through, through people. You know, I, I know I, I have to be careful how I, how I put this. Um, I... I I, I'm not telling you, I'm not suggesting to you that, you know, that there's no way that angelic beings could operate. Because the Bible tells us that there's times that we entertain angels unaware. But if God was going to perform his purpose and his will through angels, you know, if you're praying that the angels come down and do the river dance in your driveway today, you know, you need a sign. You're looking for an angel. You just need to look around you. Angels in Revelation, what were they? They were the church. He wrote a letter to the angel at the church. At, at, you know, it's the church. It's the body. You need these people. You, you need the body. I said you need the body. You need each other. I know it's hard to say, especially looking at who you're sitting by. But you need the body. So the enemy does everything he can to try to, to, try to dissuade you. And, and today, uh, for just a few minutes, I, I want to talk about one of, the, one of the great enemies of unity, one of the great enemies of, of oneness, one of the great enemies of completeness that the enemy uses. And, and every single one of us, i got to tell you, every single one of us have to deal with this enemy. And, I don't know when it was, about 1995, I think, we loaded up and we went to, to a vision conference at Casey Treats Church in Seattle. And, and a guy, you know, a bunch of guys were there, but one guy, his name was Brian Houston, and he got up and he shared this message. And, and I got to tell you, the, the, I don't know about you, but there have been certain messages in my life that just changed everything. You know, it's like a light flipped on and I went, whoa, and, and off we went. And, and, and it was just crazy. And, uh, you know, and I think one of the scriptures that we can, we can look at in, in Ephesians, let's, let's go to Ephesians chapter 1 and look at verse 15 uh, through 18. He said, for this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, towards all the people of God, you got to love everybody. I mean, we heard of it. For this reason, go ahead. I do not cease to give thanks for you. I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. For I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he might grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, of insight into the mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him. By having the eyes of your heart flooded with light, 
so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you and how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints. I'm praying for you. Paul wrote, he said, I'm praying for you that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened so that you can see some things that you've never seen before. It's always been there. It's not that it's been absent. It's not that it just showed up. But, but that you would be able to see some things that you've never seen before. That the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that our heart would be flooded with light so that we can see it. You know, this is what we're praying is that our eyes would be enlightened, that we could see the, the, the things that are keeping us from really living the life that God's called us to live. I mean, don't you want to see it? You know, I'm praying that you'd have wisdom and revelation. What, what a cool thing to, to have, you know, operating in your life. Wisdom, you know, Jeremiah 33, 3, we know this. When the, the, the Bible says, call unto me and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. The Amplified Bible says, uh, fenced in things, hidden things, secrets, secrets. See, you know, all the mystery is is the stuff that you don't know yet. It's just a mystery, right? And, and it's what you don't know. And God's saying, I want, I, want to, I want to unveil your eyes. Why don't, if God said he, he, he knows some stuff that we don't know, how many of you believe that's true? About seven of us. Okay, uh, he knows some stuff we don't know. And he said, if you call me, I'll tell you. Why aren't we calling on him? Because we go through life thinking we know everything. Come on. We look at a situation and we say, I've been, I've been here before. I know how to handle this. And that's exactly what he's talking about. No, you don't. No, really. I've been here. I do this for a living. I, I know what I'm doing. And God said, no, man, you're missing the point. You're missing it. Study the guys that traveled with Jesus in the storms. They were always in a storm. You know, if you're going to be with Jesus, carry an umbrella. Because you're going to get hammered. And some of the storms they spoke to, some of the storms they walked through, some of the storms they floated through. Well, I've, I've dealt with these storms before. Yeah, but see, God wants you to get to a place. The intimate knowledge of relation with him. He wants you to get to the place where you're asking him. How do you want me to handle this one? Because he sees some stuff you don't see. Every situation is totally different. Right? Matthew 6 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. Then everything else that you're worried about, I'll add that. I'll take care of that. See, here's why it's so easy to, 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 uh, to come to the body and, and be a giver instead of a taker because you know that God's going to give to you. God said, seek me, I'll cover you. But seek my way of doing and being right. Every day. You know those guys that tell you that, you know, Christianity, serving God, being a Christ follower, that's for weak people? Challenge them. I double dog dare you. 30 days. Give it 30 days of you seeking God first. I bet they can't do it. I said, I bet they can't do it on their own. They, they, there's no way that the, the guy that thinks Christianity is for a, for a sissy, he can't, he can't serve God. Been in this thing my entire life, you know what? And, and man, to go 30 days seeking God first, it's hard. Someday I'm going to accomplish that goal. Did you hear that? Pastor hasn't even been 30 days seeking God. Neither have you. I'm in light company. 
Man, I just want to, you know, just, just to do that. Just seek him first. Just to seek him first. Just to, just to okay, God, what do I do? And, and I'm under the impression I know what to do. That's why sometimes it's hard to hear God because he's telling you something different than what you think. My ways aren't your ways. My thoughts aren't your thoughts. He can prove it if you just sit down and listen. We got to hear God. See, we got to have the eyes of our understanding enlightened so we can see what it is he's called us to do. We got we to realize that there, there's an enemy to this. There's an enemy that we've got to deal with. And, and, and you know, when we approach it and we say, okay, here it is. Well, that's not me. I don't struggle there. I got, I got this one whipped. That's the first sign that you're in trouble. And, 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 and the thing that we want to look at, the strategy that the enemy uses, it's very simple. It's called negativity. Negativity. Negativity is not your friend. Somebody say amen. Listen, I, I, I want to give you, I want to give you real quick seven things that negativity, uh, you know, just seven facts about negativity and, and, and then a couple of antidotes. And, and, uh, but I, I just want to remind you that hardly anybody, I don't know that I've ever met anybody that gets up in the morning, looks in the mirror and goes, whoa, you're negative today. <laughs> we, we don't admit that. We look across the room and go, uh-oh, Mr. Negative's here. And that's a real positive thing right there, isn't it? Okay, number one. Let me just give you seven things. Number one, negativity is a reflection of an inner defeat. Negativity is a reflection. It's an outward manifestation of an inner defeat. You're not negative. When, when you're negative, and all of us, like I said, all of us have been negative, and some of us are dealing with it right now, right? Because it's, it's hot in here, or it's music was too loud, or that guy didn't shake my hand, or... Well, that's an outward manifestation of an inward defeat. It's not, it's not what's going on around you, but it's what's going on in you. See, what's going on in you, the hurt and, and, the, and, and the defeat that's inside of you begins to come out and it begins to, to spread and, and, and it causes the way that you deal with life and, and the way that you handle life to be influenced and impacted by negativity. And the enemy knows that, that if you're negative, he, he's got you. He's got you. See, well, I, I, I don't believe that I'm defeated on the inside. I think it's everybody out there. It's, it's, it's an outward manifestation of an inward defeat. You shall know them by their... See, you guys know the Bible. What's fruit? Fruit's the product of a seed. What's a seed? It's words words it's what's coming out of you proverbs 4 says you know to guard your heart guard your heart for out of it flow the issues of life you got to guard your heart out of the abundance of the heart the man speaketh and and you know what your words are impacting your world you actually have the world you've created with your own words Right now, the stuff that you're complaining about is stuff that you've enforced and given foundation to through your words. So, to make sure it doesn't change, you continue to sow those seeds. You continue to speak 
negative about your spouse or about your children or about your boss or about your employees or about your, the, the economy. Or, and, and, and it gives foundation to your belief system, but it's your words. And it's because you're defeated on the inside. And to break that defeat, you've you got to get in Christ. Christ encourages us. It is in Christ we find out who we are and what we're living with. we got to get in the Word. we got to study the Word of God. Because defeat on the inside is going to come out of you. Somebody say amen. amen. Nothing locates your heart quicker than your mouth. Proverbs 10, 11, listen to this. For the mouth of the righteous is a well of life. you got to ask yourself, do I have a well of life or a sewer of defeat? The righteous, out of their mouth is a well of life. Seek first his righteousness. You might have to change the way you talk. You got to be careful. Because you leak. You leak. What's in you comes out. My father, his mother used to tell him that what's in the well comes up in the bucket. What you got down in you? Coming out. Bible. Matthew 12, 34, 35. Jesus, he was so calm and so nice to everybody all the time. He said, you brood of vipers. How can you being evil speak good things? For the good man out of the good treasure of his heart flings forth good things. Good man had a good treasure of his heart. See, eventually it's going to leak out. You can, you can fool a few of us on a Sunday morning. Maybe, maybe that's why it's so hard to, to increase body life. Because you can only fake it for about an hour and a half a week. I can remember. I, I, I can. I can remember being in churches, you know, and and uh, our, our our childhood was very unique, and you know we'd roll into town, you know, late Saturday night. Sometimes going to do a church service, and 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 we'd get there just in time for the Saturday night fights at the pastor's house. And they didn't own TV, <laughs> and then Sunday morning, everybody walks to the pulpit and says, "Hallelujah." Isn't God good? And you know, on the, on the, on the inside, they want to kill everybody because I've just heard about everybody there. And you know how I know it's everybody? Because there's only 12. <laughs> you leak. What's coming out of you? What's coming out of you? Third John 2. Brethren, I pray above all things that you would prosper and be in hell, even as your soul prospers. You want your life to flourish? Cause your soul to flourish. Number two, negativity will always justify itself. See, and some of us already, even as we're going through this, and I'm talking about negativity is an outward manifestation of an inward defeat, and you've already justified why you have that and have allowed that in your life. Negativity always justifies itself. It points its finger and it blames and, 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 it, and, and it ridicules it and, and it gives excuses, reasons. It makes sense. 
this is why I think this way. It makes sense. Well, Romans 8, 6 says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. In the Amplified, it says to be carnally minded, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. That's carnally minded. Sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. See, sense and reason, it's not saying that you should, well, okay, we're not going to do any, anything that makes sense. We're not going to, you know, we're going to throw reason out. No, we're going to mix in the Holy Spirit. Why? Well, because without him, we're yogurt. Without God thought operating in our life, you're just going to repeat mistake after mistake after mistake. Makes perfectly good sense to you, and you can justify why it's not producing. Because negativity always justifies itself. Always. It's always, it's always making excuses. And, and we'll, we, you know, and, and you, you'll be really, you, you, you make really stupid statements. Like, you, you got to be really careful here. You don't want to get too positive. You know, let's, let's not be building false hopes. Don't tell that guy that God will heal him. What if he doesn't? What if he did? And you forgot to tell him that he could. I don't, I don't want to build up their hope. Well, let's build up their doubt. Let's rob all hope. That way they could never be disappointed. That's negativity. And it justifies itself. Well, I've believed before and it didn't work out. So you are now allowing your experience to dictate your belief instead of causing your belief to dictate your experience. In other words, you weren't committed to your belief. You were just connected. See, there's a huge difference between being connected and being committed. Being connected is like, a roulette wheel. <laughs> Ooh, I hope this works. Being committed, you already hold the winning ticket. See, to be committed means to willingly step into a room that you know possesses no exits. So I'm taking a stand. I'm taking a stand. As for me and my house, we're serving God. If it seem evil to you, Choose you this day who you will serve, right? He's he making a commitment now. He said, there ain't no backing up. There ain't no going a, another way. Negativity justifies itself. We got we to get rid of that stuff. Somebody say amen. amen. Number three, got to hurry. Negativity chooses your friends for you. Ultimately, you will always hang with people of similar spirit. It is not that positive people won't embrace negative people. It's that negative people cannot stand to be around positive people for too long. Because when you're defeated on the inside and you're justifying it, positive people irritate you because they're unreasonable. And you say stuff like, well... The only reason they say I'm negative is because they disagree. No, the reason they say you're negative is because you're negative. Amen. And negativity chooses your friends 
for you. I'm not telling you that you shouldn't befriend. Let's talk about the spirit. What spirit are you going to befriend? What spirit are you going to be comfortable with? Are you more comfortable in an atmosphere of doubt and unbelief? Or are you more comfortable in a, an atmosphere of faith and, and, and belief? And, and, and where are you comfortable? See, be careful. Because your, your spirit is going to dictate your friendships. Proverbs 13, 20 says, He who walks with wise men shall be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Well, who are you to call my friend foolish? I'm not going to call your friend foolish. I'm going to let Jesus do it. Jesus said the wise man built his house upon the rock. The fool built his house on the sand. So Jesus said there's a difference between wise people and foolish people. Well, how can you judge their home? Well, okay, here's the deal. Is that he said that the fool hears these sayings of mine and doeth them not. But the wise man heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. So if you got a guy who won't do the word, he's a fool. I didn't call him that. Jesus did. And if you're hanging with a fool... It ain't going to be long till you a fool too. And you can get great big T-shirts, you know. Fooled you. That way when you look in the mirror, it says, you fool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hanging with the foolish. You got to be careful what spirit is going to influence your life. Remember, in the middle of the word influence is the word flu. It's going to get on you. Trying to help you make it, make it, make it, make a mental agreement here. here. Here's the deal: is that some of the people you hang with, well, I, I'm going to change them. Have you asked them if they want to change? Come on. Have you announced that? I'm your friend. I love you, and I'm going to change you. Come on, because if you haven't told them that, you're just lying to yourself so that you can effectively lie to us. Because you have no intention of changing them. You like that atmosphere. It's quiet in here. You're, right now, you're thinking about the friends you've chosen. Look at, look at the room you're in. Okay. Everybody, everybody agrees with me. Everybody says the same thing. Okay, after a lifetime of ministry, after a lifetime of ministry, you know what I've learned about everybody? When somebody comes and they're being negative and they say, well, you know, we've been talking to some folks and everybody. Well, tell me, who's, who's everybody? Well, I don't feel, you know, comfortable giving you names. Okay, give me numbers. Who's everybody? Can I just tell you that a huge everybody is three. What, you you got to make you, you got to make certain that you're not letting three foolish people dictate your future. I got I got to keep moving. Number four. Wow. Negativity magnifies and distorts the truth. 
Negativity magnifies and distorts the truth. Realize that negativity is usually based on truth. The problem is it's just not correct. Proverbs 12.25, write that down, Proverbs 12.25. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. A good word makes it glad. Listen, depression changes the way you see everything. You believe it, it looks real, but negativity distorts the truth. It's kind of like film. Remember the old film cameras? Remember? And, and you had the negative and, and you'd take the negative in and, and, and you'd get that, you know, developed. And, and then you'd bring the picture out. And, and why, well, on the negative, the blacks are white and the whites are black. All the information's there. It just isn't correct. See, negativity, it's got all kinds of information. It just doesn't see it correctly. You got this thing. And they, they walk right past me. They said they loved me. They said they cared about me. And they walked right past me in the hallway. It's because they're about to wet themselves and they're headed to the bathroom. <laughs> you, got, you got the truth. You're just seeing it wrong. Amen? Amen? You, you got to be careful because, well, did you hear what he said? You, you got to listen. Thousands of times, people have said to me, do you know what you said to me? And I go, nope. Because stuff goes through my head and I just, whew, I just spit it out. You know, I probably shouldn't do that. But if I didn't do that, my message would only be about 12 minutes long. So, you know, so I've learned how to develop. And I just say stuff. And then somebody gets up and they go out and they're all mad and they're hurt and they're offended. And, and, and they talk about what I said. And when they tell me the service I said it in, all I can remember is the incredible, profound wisdom and revelatory information that I shared. I, I don't remember the stupid remark I flippantly made that embarrassed somebody else. In the, I don't know. You got to be careful. The Bible says in two different places, Mark 4, uh, Luke 11, it says, be careful how you hear. Be careful. Why? Because if you're defeated on the inside and you're justifying it on the outside and you've selected friends that will get in agreement with you, now your distorted truth, they'll get in agreement with you. See, negativity distorts the truth. Number five. <laughs> I got to hurry. Wow. Number five. Negativity makes unfair statements and harsh judgments. It makes wide sweeping statements. It includes everybody. You faith preachers. All you want is our money. That's not all we want. <laughs> oh, man, I tell you, I'm hilarious, aren't I? <laughs> That'll be the one thing that somebody remembers. Got him on tape. He admitted it. He wants my money. <laughs> okay. Think about David dancing before the Lord, bringing the Ark of the Covenant back. He's dancing before the Lord. Michael, his wife, looks out the window. She's disgusted. She's disgusted, man. She's upset. And she makes some statements that are, that are just crazy when you think about it. And see, here's the, here's the deal. Is that Michael simply lived on the wrong side of the window. Had she been out there 
participating, the joy of the Lord, the presence of God, the sense of victory, that would have been on her too. But see, the negativity distorted the way she saw everything. And she took pieces of the truth. You are out there without your kingly robe. That's true. But it wasn't disgrace. It was humility in the presence of God. You know, we can, have a, we can have a crazy good time in the presence of God, and sometimes people will come up at the end of it, and, and they'll, they'll fling forth some crazy thing. And it just sucks the life out of everything that God just did. That's the enemy's plan. See, number six is negativity negates the work of the Holy Spirit. God said, the word of God is made of none effect by the traditions of men. Here's God's word that has the power to change everything, that can't change anything because you're stuck on a tradition and any kind of change you have a negative reaction to. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall go out and be witnesses. Why would we want to negate the ability to produce results in the lives of those that God brings us into contact with? I mean, can you understand why the enemy just wants you to slip over into negativity? Because what God could do, you said he won't do. Because I'd rather be negative than effective. God could change the city as we participate in ShareFest. God could change lives of people who are far from God, bring them close to God because you rake leaves in their backyard. But you can, you can say, well, you know what? They may, I bet they're using the system. How do we know they deserve it? It's negativity negating the power of the Holy Spirit to operate. Number seven, I wish I had a little bit more time. I'm going to hurry. Negativity sabotages the present and limits the future. I believe you have a God-given future. But negativity will sabotage that future. It'll limit your present. It, 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 it limits what God can do here, and it, and it, it totally sabotages where God's taken you. So what do we do? How do we, how do we remedy this? Because like I said, all of us are dealing with negativity. Well, one, you got to educate your soul, okay? If you don't get anything else, forget the negativity part now, and let's lock on this. What do I do? I got to educate my soul. I got to strengthen my soul. I, gotta, I said I got to get up in the morning, look in the mirror. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are marvelous oh god that my soul knows quite well so you got to teach your soul to know what god knows i'm above only and not beneath i'm the head not the tail i'm blessed coming in blessed going out blessed in the city blessed in the field i got my i, I need to educate my soul no weapon formed against me can prosper i gotta educate my soul I'm not going to die. I'm going to live and declare the goodness of my king. I'm not sick. I'm healed. He sent his word and healed them. You've got to educate my soul. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. 
If God be for me, who cares? Who's against me? I got to educate my soul. I got to build this this wisdom to, to, to live life God's way. If I educate my soul, you, i got to tell you something. Negativity is going to begin to melt off of you. you got to know, number two, you got to know when to tell your soul to shut up. David said, oh, my soul, why are you cast down? I will bless the Lord. At all times, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. You got to tell your soul, shut up. Man, I wish I'd learned this earlier. I'm just telling it like it is. Well, that's the problem. Any fool can describe a thing, but you can use your words to change a thing. Well, I just, right about there, you just need to have somebody, hire someone to tackle you. And knock you out. So you can train yourself to be quiet. Number three. Get in or create an environment of praise. Create an environment of praise. Enter his courts with thanksgiving, or his gates. Enter his courts with praise. You, you gotta, you gotta create that. You, you know what? Get some CDs of, of of praise music that's got the word in it, and plug them in, and listen to that in the car. Might have to turn off talk radio for a couple of days. Might have to shut some other things off, but create an environment of praise. Saturate yourself. Saturate yourself with, with, with praise. You're, you're inundated with negativity. You can't help it. It's out there. But it's kind of like, you know, taking a shower every now and then. It helps. Hello? You know... Being around the presence of God. But you know what? I, I would challenge you. Take a Wednesday night and, and come to the focus meeting. And uh, lately, you know what? We've just been soaking in this presence. It's crazy good. I can't Wednesday. Okay, then do it on your own. Listen. Let me just read scripture to you, okay? I'll tell you where it's at later. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say Rejoice. Let all men know and recognize your unselfishness. For the Lord is near. Don't fret. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. Through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the God of peace, God's peace, shall guard your heart. Man, I'll tell you what. You, i got to tell you something. Guarding your heart, there are days when you can't do it. But what happens when the peace of God comes to guard your heart? Well, the peace of God. How do I get the peace of God to guard my heart? Well, you back up a verse. It says, in everything, 
through prayer and prayer. That's taking God's word into God's presence and getting to agreement with God on that word. Supplication. What's that? That's a specific request. Why does that come after prayer? Well, because you can't have a specific request that you don't have a scripture to base it upon. So now, now you've got a specific request with the word of God to base it on. Now you can with thanksgiving. He, now, he got thanksgiving. He said, God, I just thank you that peace is going to be in my house because your word says in Isaiah 32, 18, that my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation. Oh, quiet resting place belongs to your children. So thank you, Father. And now all of a sudden the peace of God, which passes your understanding, you can't even understand it, will begin to guard your heart and your mind. Well, how do I get that? Well, you start by rejoicing in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord. Go ahead and live like you're happy. Well, then people won't feel sorry for me. Right. But I like it because I feel like they care. They don't. Okay, here's the deal. If the only way to get your friend to care about you is when you're sucking wind. Your friend hopes you don't come by. <laughs> Rejoice in the Lord. Create an environment. Amen? Close your book. Bow your head. Let's pray. Father, today, Lord, we thank you that you are opening our eyes. You are enlightening the eyes of our understanding. So we can see things that are right there. Maybe we've never been able to see before. And let us see the, 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 the trickery of the enemy that's separating us from really being effective the way you've called us to be. Show us our own heart, Lord. Let us take this word and give thought and study to it. Let us, let us allow it to transform us. We don't want to just be informed. We want to be transformed. Father, thank you for revelation and insight.